0: What's your revolution? What's your revolution? What's your revolution, my dude, my guy, my brother, my frat brother, my friend? What's your revolution?
1: My revolution is to be the best versions of me that I can, as I'm in the fight of my life. The last two years have been life changing um, for me and for thousands of people in down this journey of health and fitness, and, and and all of these things together have created or has helped. Along with the blessings from God, have helped me to become the person that I am now. Um, I, I I talk a lot to my friends in the fitness community about the other guy. Um, you know, you know, you knew the other guy. I mean, I, I'm the same guy, but when I say the other guy, I mean the other guy physically. Um, this is this is the newer, best version of me. Um, and, and I feel amazing um, and, and I'll continue to do what I need to do um, as, as, I, as I fight to live
0: Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show a show for men and the people who love them where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves And people can find and embrace the revolution within themselves I am your host, Dr. Charles Warpru. What is good revolutionaries? You know, I love saying that. Like, uh, I told my folks we're going to make a t-shirt. What's good revolutionaries? So when you walk up to folks, they know that you are revolutionary and they know that they are revolutionary. So I'm asking you this question, my favorite question. Not our signature question yet, but my favorite question, what's good revolutionaries? I am hoping that you're walking, you're walking in your you're walking in your work you're walking in faith that you're walking in your presence that you're walking in your revolution And i say that all the time at the recording of this show it is november and i've been saying this for a long time it's fourth quarter have you sent your goals out to your folks right have you found your accountability partners Are you asking folks where you need help? Who can stand in the gap for you folks, right? Because revolutions are not just for you as this, as, as the prophet is like, I'm gonna call a prophet on the show. Sean Dove says, who are your midwives, right? Who are helping you bring out this revolution in the world. And you're going to see when you see, when you see who I get to talk to today, you're going to see like this brother has been one of my midwives and he didn't even know it. Right. He didn't even know it, but I've been knowing this brother for almost 30 years and My journey as Omega began in 1994, and I talk at length about my love of my beloved Omega Psi Phi, my beloved New Orleans, all all the things that meaningful. My dad's fraternity, right? As you know, I talk about my dear brother, my father, Omega Psi Phi fraternity. And there are some brothers that you meet, right? You know right away when you meet them. That they're one going to be a part of your life for a long time, and two, they are going to teach you. They are going to care for you. They are going to lead you. And when I met Brother Eddie Richardson, right, look that fateful spring day in 1994 under the tree at Gamma Epsilon chapter of Hampton University, I knew that I knew then. Even though you know I was young, I was a young young pup with sand sand on sand on myself and sand behind my ears. That this brother was going to be you know a a sage in my life and he has been and i've been calling him the og because that is what he is eddie richardson my dude my dude my dude wonderful man of omega and when you hear his story today you're going to be like yeah i definitely understand we're just going to jump right in brother look it is good to see you look and and for those who are visually inclined when you get to see this brother right he he looked like one of the five heartbeats. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He looks like one of the five heartbeats. Got his hair all slicked back. You know what I'm saying? He must be he must be using some Scotch porter on his skin. You know what I'm saying? His wife takes care of him. You know, he, he is looking good. I'm gonna let this brother tell you how old he is. I think I, I think he said he was hundred in the green room, but he looks like he's twenty five. But he is my dude. Eddie, Eddie, OG, OG. What's going on with you, brother? How you doing?
1: Good evening, brother. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm blessed. I am blessed to be able to be standing upright and breathing. I, I mm. tell my friends in the health community all the time, you know, it's a good day when the Lord gives you an opportunity to open your eyes and to put breath into your lungs and to be mobile and, and to be agile. And so I'm just thankful and blessed to be here, brother
0: man it it is a blessing it is a blessing to have you like you said uh being upright and as we've seen over the last couple of years we have lost some of our sturdy trees right to a, a host of different things that have come along and actually cut down some of the most rewarding the most thought provoking the most uh thought leaders that we've have in our space because of different ailments and different diseases and we're going to talk about something that that really impacts every man right for us to think about what our prostate health is right. I even that's right. I said it. I said the p word. The our, our prostate and what it means for us to take care of our overall health. But as we get older, as men, this is a men for this is a show for men and the people who love them. But today, we're going to have this conversation about prostate health and prostate cancer and why it's so important for us as men to go get tested. Right to be to be conscious about our prostate health and about what goes on because it leads to our overall health and it leads to our overall longevity. But we'll get to that conversation in a second, right? Brother said he was blessed. Let me just ask this question off off the bat so my revolutionaries can know who you are. Who is Eddie Richardson? Please tell the world, brother. I'm excited. Who are you? Where'd you come from? Tell us about your mama, your people, all those things, bro.
1: Sure, sure. Like you said, I'm Eddie Richardson. I'm 56 years old. And uh, my hometown is Danville, Virginia, a little small mm. town right on the Virginia-North Carolina border. Mm. I was born and raised there, went to high school there. Um, you know, while in high school, I, you know, I had a, a, a really good track career. Um, and I, I, you know, initially out of, out of high school, went to Virginia State University for a year, and then I transferred to Clemson University on a track scholarship. And so um, I ran track there and Became a member of our beloved organization um, <laughs> at, at Clemson University. Involved 1987, and um, after I graduated, I started life. Um, yeah, you know, just trying to figure my way out, and that's how I sort of found my way to Hampton, Virginia. I had an uncle that lived here, and I came here looking for employment, and um, you know, got a job here, and you know, eventually met the love of my life, and yeah. um, Donna. And um, I've been with her. We just celebrated 24 years, June the 6th. Mm. Nice. Um, Congratulations, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and and she and I have my son, EJ, and I also have a daughter as well. Her name is Prashay. And um, she is uh, 35 years old. And, um, and I have two grandchildren with her. And so that's
0: wow.
1: sort of my, my family situation in a nutshell. Um, but um, I, I love them all dearly. And, um, you know, as I've gone through life and as I've especially since I've gone through this process, they've been here um, and they've known everything, every step of the way. Um, As I've gone through it, I felt that it was important that any and everything that's going on with me, especially as it relates to my health, um, they should know first and foremost. And so I've been, you know, just as I am with with most people that I know and then people that I don't know as well, um, an open book as it uh, pertains
0: yeah. to my disease and my situation. Yeah, no, brother, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, one thing I I love when it, when brothers come on the show and talk about the importance of family, right? And, and what it means. And everyone who knows, listen to the show, Brother Richardson and I talk about our ability to self-actualize on this show. And, and like you said, you brought up your wife, 24 years. That's a wonderful thing in your family. And as we move into this conversation about prostate health and prostate hand, prostate cancer, to move through the space when you've been diagnosed with, with cancer. Um n- having to battle something with the people that love you the most is important. It is important for us to be the best version of ourselves, even in times of strife and challenge, when you can look to the left and when you can look to the right, dear brother, and say, someone's got you, right? Mm-hmm. Someone's got you. That I've got to go through this revolution in my life that is probably the most challenging thing that I've ever had to go through. But I know that there are midwives. I know that there are people who are going to walk this journey with me. It is, a, it is an amazing thing. So I'm, I'm just going to dive in. I'm just going to dive in. Like I said, we're going to talk about prostate cancer. It's November, and we're thinking about prostate health and our overall health. You were diagnosed with prostate cancer. We talked about this at 45 years old, right? And you said 56, man. The brother looks good. But at 45 years old, you've got the world in front of you, you've got a family. You know, you're you're a robust man of omega. You're out in the world making change and impact. And then one day you walk into the doctor's office and the doctor says, Brother Richardson, you have prostate cancer. Can you walk us through that journey, the before getting the diagnosis and the after? What was that like for you?
1: I can, but let me just share this as well. And and, and I, I I didn't put this in my bio, but my wife is also a cancer survivor. Mm. Um, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2004. Wow. Wow. And so that was three years after our son, EJ. And so mm. I was her caregiver yes. and was yes. her accountability partner. And so I went through those experiences firsthand with her, um, as we went through that journey. Yes. And so, um, she's doing exceptionally well. She hasn't had any relapses. Um, since and so, um, the day that um, I was diagnosed um, with with prostate cancer, it I mean it, I felt like the world just dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, it's a it's a, a strange story. You know, I was one that was vigilant about going to the doctor, and life got in the way, and I missed two years of physical. Wow. And my father passed in 2011. And as we were sitting around the table making arrangements for my, for my father, it hit me. Eddie, you haven't been to the doctor. Mm. And so at the conclusion of making those um, arrangements, I walked out of the funeral home and called and set my appointment. Yeah. And um, I went and I had my full physical and when I got my um, PSA results, um, they were they were alarming, and that's the prostate specific antigen results. Um, you know, my my PSA normal PSA is usually are two or below for men. Um, right. My last one was a one point eight um, at the last appointment that I had, and so um, at this physical it was twelve point two. Wow which was very concerning. And this was, this was two years that, um, that this had, had occurred. Um, and so I I immediately, um, I talked to my wife and I said, we've got to, we've got to get to a urologist and see what's going on. Yes, And so, um, we went to a urologist and he said, well, you know, initially don't be alarmed. He said, we're going to, um, have you come back in, in you know, 60 to 90 days and we'll, we'll check it again. Um, it may just be, um, you know, proselytitis or some inflammation, but we'll, you know, we're going to check it and see. And so I went back for the follow up and um, it had gone to 13.3. So it had actually increased from 12.2. And so um, we did a biopsy. And um, when they do the biopsy, they. They segment your you know, prostate into um, six sections. And so they evaluate um, where there is cancer, you know, to see where there is cancer. And I had um, cancer evident in five of the six sections of my prostate that they had um, had looked at. And so, um, you know, at that point, um, we made some decisions and talked about some options. And, and I made the decision that I wanted to have... Um, what's considered a radical prostatectomy. I wanted to have a surgery. And so right. um, I scheduled my surgery within about 120 days from when.
0: I got gotcha. you. Had- Eddie, can I, I, I hate to, you. There, there's <laughs> so much that I want to um, unpack there before we move yeah. on to the rest of the story. <laughs> because I can hear, I can hear my revolutions in my ear. Like, wait, wait, wait. He Five of the six sections had, had cancer. You went from 1.8 to 12.2 to then 13.3. Did you feel any symptoms? Did it did anything feel wrong? Did were you was was there blood, blood in your urine? Were you having you know bone pain? Were you I mean, were you having difficulty urinating? What was there anything that said that this was going on in your body?
1: Brother, I had absolutely no symptoms.
0: Wow. None. Mm. And, th- and that's the scary thing about this disease, right? The scary thing about this disease. You're going, you're going along in life, right? And nothing, uh, almost silent. If you don't go and get your PSA checked, and it used to be, and I know one of the stigmas around why why brothers weren't going to get their their prostates checked because it was the DRE, right? It was the, the digital rectal exactly. exam, right? And, exactly. and right, it, it, when I say digital, it's not an electronic. It is this. It is your digit. It is your finger. It is urologist <laughs> exactly finger, right. right? Right, going up your behind, right to massage your prostate, right? For it to secrete so they can then test. Exactly. So I, I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad they've come up with a revolutionary way to test it through your blood. But I know many men in our old masculinity were like, nah, ain't nobody, ain't nobody sticking there anything anywhere so they can test. So I'm just right. gonna go, all right. So, right. so thank you for saying that, that there were no symptoms to this.
1: There, there were no symptoms at all. And, and I'll say this as well. You know, while I was going through the process of, you know, getting the exam because my, my, my physician, um, you know, he advocated for that. You know, I thought of prostate cancer as an older person's disease, (laughs) you know, and it wasn't until I was diagnosed that I realized that there was a prevalence of prostate cancer, higher prevalence of prostate cancer in African-American men. And so while the baseline in science may say 50, for African American men, there's a lot of literature that says that they should start at 40. Wow. And if there's family history, in which I did not have family history, you know, a lot of times you know, some of the literature out there will say that it's it's paternal. So if you if your father or your uncle's on your father's side, if someone on your father's side of the family has prostate cancer, there's a higher evidence of that. I my dad, my dad died of congestive heart failure. Mm. Um, didn't have issues with, with prostate cancer. Um, so it was a complete shock, um, that, um, I, that I was diagnosed and, um, you know, if, if you know, in, in being here in the area and I've been, you know, uh, with, uh, good brother, Charlie Hill, who's the head yes. of Hampton Roads Prostate Health Cancer Forum here in Hampton Roads, there is a higher prevalence of men, of African-American men being diagnosed with prostate cancer in any other area of the country.
0: Wow. Which- any reason for that? Any, 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 any yeah. correlative variables that might indicate why? We can't is it, figure it is out. Is it in the water? Something in the water? <laughs> no. <laughs> we can't figure it out. I'm not drinking that water. It, I'm not drinking was, that water anymore.
1: It was, it was a strange thing to me. And then we were part of a pro- pilot project with the Hampton University, um, Proton Therapy Center um, and the the Prostate Cancer Forum a few years ago, just trying to do a pilot project and educating men on that. And when I saw those statistics, it just kind of blew my mind that um, there was a higher... And and I don't know if that's because there is more advocacy here, and there are more African-American men that are going and actually getting tested. And so the data Is trending that way. I don't know. And more men are finding out that they have it or if it's something that's organic that it was causing it. I'm just not sure. But again, that's that's um, so
0: many. That's so interesting to me.
1: My, you know, my um, diagnosis was a complete shock.
0: Wow. Wow. So let's, let's, let's move the conversation back. You said five of the six sections were cancerous Cancerous and you, and you, Right. And, and so, so you decided to have a prostatectomy. So go ahead. Talk, talk about that. Talk about this next phase of the journey for you. Sure.
1: Sure. And so, you know, what they do is, you know, when they evaluate your prostate and when they find cancer, um, they give you what's called a Gleason score. And yes. so that's mm-hmm. based on the amount of, of cancer that is found. And mm-hmm. so the higher the Gleason score, um, the more likelihood that the, uh, the cancer may be more aggressive. And there's an opportunity or likelihood that the cancer may have spread outside of the prostate. Mm. And so basically the timetable for making a decision as to what your actions are going to be are based on that Gleason score. And so uh, my Gleason scores are fairly high. And so, um, again, we wanted to give uh, my body an opportunity to heal from the biopsy, which yielded the, the cancerous result. Um, so we did my surgery probably, like I said, about 120 days or so from the time that, um, I had my biopsy, um, we scheduled the radical prostatectomy, And so, um, we did it with a machine called Da Vinci machine. And so, Mm -hmm. um, there were five ports that were put into my abdomen. And, um, and so the physician removed my, uh, Prostate using that procedure. It's a fairly common procedure, and, and a number of brothers, um, you know, continue to use that procedure. That um, you know now, but depending on where you are in the country and depending on the access to technology, I mean, there are probably a dozen or more different therapies or different treatments for prostate cancer. Some gentlemen don't want the surgery. Some gentlemen may want to to do radioactive seeds,
0: mm-hmm. or right, they may exactly.
1: want to do radiation. Or, you know, here we have the Hampton University uh, Proton Therapy Center. And so, um, you know, some gentlemen, um, you know, pursue proton therapy. It just depends on personal choice. For me, with my age, um, my physician advocated for um, the the surgery. Mm-hmm. To you know, give me an opportunity to try to spare some of the muscles that you know control the penis, because yeah. you know, depending on the type of surgery, yes. it damages mm-hmm. the nerves that are around the penis, yes. and so functionality mm-hmm. is one of those things yeah. that mm-hmm. becomes an issue. And so, you know, for some gentlemen, they're like, "Oh no, oh no, exactly, <laughs> not oh no, uh-huh. going to do anything that's going to damage that member," and right. so exactly. um, you know, some men have lost their lives. Um, trying to protect that member, um, and my thing is, I want to keep my life, and we will do right. whatever is necessary
0: Man, for me, let me tell you, brother. to
1: uh, to continue forward with my life.
0: Yeah, brother. Uh, one thank you. Like, thank you for sharing that. Like, thank you for sharing that because there's a lot, there's a lot of our masculinity in this process. Oh, yes. Right? There's a lot of our masculinity as black men in this process. And I don't care who you are listening to this show right now white, black, green, male, woman, trans, binary, you know, whatever you listen, right? This is, this is a health issue that. We're thinking about, we're talking about, and for men, and for cisgender men, men, you know, men, period, right? And I take that t- just for men, period, who want to be sexually active, right? No matter who you are. Thinking about this, and I'm I, I even going to contextualize this even more. For black men, a lot of times... Our sexuality is tied to our masculinity. It's been, it's, it's, it's been the literal talk about. It's the thing that we've h- held on to when society has ripped everything else from us. Right. Right. I just said that out loud. It is the thing that you know, we've hold on so tightly is that at the end of the day, I can rise up and I can go handle business. And we will protect that at all costs, right? At, at, at all costs. So I, I appreciate you saying that That brothers have lost their lives in this process, ultimately by protecting their ma- the one thing that they think that they can hold on to. But in this sense, right, this could be the thing that kills you. And I thank you for saying that out loud because... I don't know many people who are talking about this but this surgery can be deleterious and you have to, and, and for some people what I understand is that you're going to have to make a decision between your masculinity and your manhood and your ability to, to do the things that you used to do or live and what's what's more important and we try to do we try to do them both but that's, I think that's so important, you know? So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Definitely. So after the, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Cause you know, I've got a thousand more questions now.
1: Well, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll continue on because the, the, the journey can, you know, there was the diagnosis, there was the surgery, and then there was the post-surgery process, which yes. sort of started this next journey so as to, what, to talk about. what I've gone through for the past 10 years, because, yes. you know, as I said to you earlier, I'm still in the fight,
0: yes. Because it yes. wasn't yes.
1: it wasn't a one and done for me, mm-hmm. as far as getting the surgery and cancer be gone. You know, I, I was one of those gentlemen that after I had the surgery, after I healed from that process of of being reconstructed, um, you know, because when when your prostate is removed your prostate sits at the bottom of your bladder okay mm-hmm. and so your urethra comes from your bladder through your prostate and out your penis right and so <clears throat> when the when the prostate is removed that section ha- your bladder has to be moved down and your urethra has to be reconnected to the base of your bladder wow Okay, and so for for gentlemen that that choose to have that surgery, um, for the first ten to twelve, fifteen days after um, that surgery, they wear a catheter
0: to give
1: Mm -hmm. um, your urethra an opportunity to connect to your bladder, Um, and so you know that that portion has to heal, and so in doing the surgery as well you know, the physicians try to save as many nerves and as many nut muscles as they can um, so that, you know, you'll have some type of functionality, um, you know, with, you know, with your penis or with your member, however you mm-hmm. want to call, um, you know, you, so you'll have some type of functionality. And, um, you know, so that's a process in and of itself. And then within 60 to 90 days of going through all of that, you have to go back and do another psa exam to see where your psa levels are right and so for me my first psa was
0: 0.5 okay okay all right cuz you had me you had me worried there for a second like you about to tell me that it didn't change
1: well it was supposed to be
0: 0.0 okay it was
1: 0.5 and so we um we said, okay, we'll come back in 60 days and see what's going on again. And so we went back and did another PSA and it was 0.8. And so um, we went back to my urologist and um, I'd had a gastro appointment. I, I was telling my you know, um, gastro doctor. And so she said, I think you ought to go um, talk to a, an oncologist. And so she gave me a name. And so I went back to my urologist and I, and I said, hey, be straight with me. What's going on? And he said, I think you're having a reoccurrence. Oh. And this was this was within six months of, of you know, going through that process of, of you know, having the surgery and, and doing those things. And so um, I said, well, this is who I want to see. And he said, that's who I was going to recommend to you. Yeah, and so um, Dr. Mark Fleming uh, with Virginia Oncology um, has been um, a godsend for me. He, he's mm-hmm. he's been with me every step of the way for the last ten years, and um, you know I I you know I owe my life to God and 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 to yeah. Dr. Fleming and the things that he's done um, over the years as we've gone through this process, and I've seen him every ninety days for the last um, 10 years uh, to get to where I am now. And so I'll pause because I I mean, I can go on. No,
0: no, 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 no. So because (laughs) I I, I, look, I know when people hear the show, they're going to be just as riveted to this conversation as I am now, because, you know, we we, we talk about an arc of a story right now. And so you're leading, you're leading us down this journey, right? 0.5, 0.8. Wait, now you got to go. So you were having a you were having a recurrence, right? Mm-hmm. You were you were you were having this. What is so? So let's define our terms. What does that mean? What was going on? Right. I, I don't want people to be lost in this journey here. Sure. What was happening?
1: So when my PSA was zero point five, that meant that the PSA was still detecting microscopic prostate cancer cells that were floating around in my body. And so um, you know from the surgery. The, the, the cancer may have gotten outside of my prostate. Yeah. There may have been some cancerous tissue that was in some of the muscles or some of the nerve that they tried to spare when um, they were doing the surgery. It's just difficult to say. But um, we had to make some decisions about what yeah. to do. And so the next logical step was radiation. I didn't want to do radiation early on, because if I had chose radiation as the first therapy, it would have burned everything up and I would have had no other options.
0: Right. right. But
1: if I had the surgery first, and then there was this an issue, then the next logical step was radiation. To try to, you know, treat that area. And so I had 46 sessions of radiation. And I did that um, five, six days a week, um, you know, over seven, eight, seven, eight week period. Um, I did the radiation and, um, you know, 30 days later, took my PSA again, 0.8. Are you kidding? And so, um, you know, that that was my journey. And so, um, you know, my 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 treatment plan with my oncologist at the time, again, because of my age. Was it's called watchful waiting. Uh, We're just going to watch it and we were going to watch my PSA. And one of the things that they evaluate when they watch your PSA is doubling time, how fast that PSA doubles. And if it doubles over a period of time, then that's evidence that the disease is growing. And so at that point, decisions have to be made um, as to whether or not you're going to start a hormonal, hormonal or a chemical therapy. And so I knew that if I had started a hormonal therapy, there would have been side effects that um, would have impacted me. Um, I was already obese. And so some of the side effects in the drug that they were going to use, which was a popular drug at the time, um, was an injection of a drug called Lupron.
0: Okay. That's Thank like you for saying that. That's an
1: injection that. that you receive every 90 days. but weight gain, lethargy, um, you know impacting um, sexual ability and, and those types of things. And so there are a multitude of side effects that are a result of, of that um, that particular therapy. And so I didn't want to do that and my doctor like you know, again, we didn't want to go there then. We just wanted to watch him wait. And so um, that's what we did. And so I went on a roller coaster ride of up and down PSAs. And if you look at my chart um, from 2012 up until about, uh, I'd say, 2017, 2018, it was up and down. I mean, it would be, you know, 1.1. It would be three. It would be two point whatever. It would be five. And so my PSA was just up and down for years, and so, you know, probably twice a year, three times a year, we would um, I'd do a bone scan, Mm -hmm. and I'd do a CT scan just to see if there were any hot spots or evidence of cancer that had metastasized anywhere in their body. And so, you know, I went through this process again every ninety days. Wow! um, You know, there was this journey, and so all the anxiety and emotions of having to build myself up to go through this process of one getting the psa and then waiting 3 to 5 days to go back and get the results um you know it was i mean it, it was it, it it took me through something um but it was it was a story of my life because i'm i'm in i was in the fight for my life and again i you know I dealt with it. And, you know, my, my, my number one supporter, my number one cheerleader, and and I give my wife all the praise because she was right here every step of the way, Mm. you know, cheering me on and, um, you know, keeping me grounded when, you know, there were days that, you know, all I could do was just, just sit on the couch and sometimes just cry. Yeah. yeah. it was, um, you know, it was an incredible thing. And so, um, You know, fast forward to 2017, 2018, my PSA was um, over 10 and um, had no prostate. And so uh, my doctor had been, you know, he's a a very forward thinking physician. And um, there was a test, a specialized test, a PSMA PET scan that he was trying to get. And there were only certain hospitals in the country that had it. And he was trying to get me set up for this test to see if they could find metastasis in my body. And my insurance company refused it for a couple of years. And um, in 2020, um, at the height of the pandemic, he was able to get the test sponsored in his office. And wow. he was the sponsor wow. for that test. And I was patient zero. Mm. And what they were trying to do with this test and with this trial was show that the old therapy that I had been getting. like I said I, m- I mentioned a moment ago, I had been getting a, you know, this radiation test and also this CT scan to see if there were hot spots. They were trying to show that you know, the signs was saying yeah, that this, this test wasn't working. working anymore. That right. this test was showing negative when the patient was positive and in true form. I took that test and it was negative, but when I took the PSMA PET test, and at the time, my PSA was 20, I'll just say 22 plus. Oh my. Eddie. Um, when I took that test, that PSMA PET scan, it showed evidence of metastasis. And show, so it showed um, I had three hot spots. On my body, three subcentimeter size um, areas of metastasis in my left hip, my left belly, and my left lung. Mm. And so um, at that time, you know, all the things that we have been talking about as to next steps and hormone therapy and those types of things, all of those things instantly went into effect. Um, right. Once there was the evidence of metastasis. Wow. And so I started a, uh, a chemical treatment or a, a, a chemical therapy, um, which is a combination of the drug Lupron, which is the injection, and um, a new a new pill that had been used for gentlemen gentleman later in the process called Erlata. Um, and, and thank God for insurance um, because it's $16,000 a month. Um <sighs> for 30 days of medicine. Um, but I, I take four of those pills a day and um, and I get my Lupron shot every 90 days. And wow. so my uh, PSA went from 22 plus to 0.04. Oh. And um, I have been there for two years.
0: Man, that... Is... Brother... Wow, wow, like I, I'm sitting here listening like, are you kidding me? Like are, are like are you kidding me to go through this journey to the psychology of going through this yo-yo effect. Mm-hmm. There's so there, there's so many things that 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 I could drill down in here the the, the insurance game that we play around our health, right? insurance is, is is not there to heal you because if, if if it was they would have this would have been paid for and you would have been taken care of and all of the things but you know that's that's a that's a bigger conversation around big insurance and how right it, it's not in the cure it's how much you pay and what they were what they're willing to pay for right. that's the, that, but that's a that's a bigger cover. the the psychology of being on that yo-yo of going up and down and like the realization like what's going on I don't have a prostate right. and why is my PSA continuing to go and then to get right? Like, then to get from 10 to 22 when, as you say, if you remember this conversation revolutionaries, he said a healthy PSA is between zero and two, anything above four. You're like, wait, what's going on? So, so, so now, so now we, we, we've got, we've got a treatment plan, but anyone that knows, Brother Richardson knows that a couple of years ago, you didn't look like this. Right? Right. You look different. Like I said, he looks like one of the five heartbeats right now. When you see this, right? You wouldn't look this infectious smile, this bright colored skin, this slick hair back, like when you see it, he posted a picture the other day. Go to his IG. What's your IG, Eddie? <laughs> EJ Rich too. EJ Rich too. He posted a picture the other day, like the before and after pics, right? You know, he wanted a little thirst trap here. You know what I'm saying? Just a little just a little just a little thirst trap to show you where he's been and where he is now. If you remember, he said he was a track star. And then it pointed that he said he was obese, right? Look at this brother now. So it's 2020, right? You you have gone through this. You said part of the is it the part of the lupron was obesity, was weight gain.
1: Correct, correct. That, that was a part right, of it. And so, you know, at the time that um, all of these things were coming together, I was at my heaviest. Um, at the time, I was 253 pounds. And um, I said, I've got to make some changes. I, I have got to give my body an opportunity to fight as best it can. best it can. You know, so I have to be the healthiest that I can in order to give myself a fighting chance. And so I started doing things on my own. And um, in April of 2020 or so, um, you know, in the height of the pandemic, you know, all I could do was walk and, and, and change my diet. And so, you know, that was my exercise, just vigorous walking and changing my diet and Um, you know, taking out some of the bad habits, you know, the, you know, uh, finishing work and, and, and drinking all evening and snacking all evening and, and, and and those kinds of things, I had to put that out the door. And so, um, I lost between, between April and, and September of 2020, I lost about 20 to 25 pounds on my own. And, um, and then I, uh, I came upon a program that, um, some friends of mine were on and I had been watching them and watching them. And, and with most internet based programs, you're like, nah, they cut off the head and, 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 and super and hyperimposed it onto the body. These, <laughs> these people just don't look like that. Um, but I, uh, I said, I'm going to give this program a chance. The program is eager to motivate. Um, it's, uh, founded by a gentleman named Jeff Weatherspoon out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, And the program at the time had been around a little more than a year. Um, And it was built to be an eight-week program um, built on attendance of diet and exercise. And so I said I'm going to give it a chance. And so um, that was sort of the new um, So I started building the new version of me because it wasn't just me out here walking around in circles in the street and trying to figure out, you know, if there was a diet book around here or if there was a TV plan that was out there, I probably spent money on it and tried it. And, mm. you know, I did it. Billy
0: Blanks, remember Billy Blanks oh, yeah. back in the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Tybo. Ta- 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 Tabo and, and Beachbody and and all. Right, exactly. I, I tried it. I got
1: every little bowl and, and whatever. Um, but I tried this program and, um, it really changed my life. Um, mm. I, in, in, the first eight weeks of the program, I lost, uh, 25 pounds. Um, and the second eight weeks of the program, I lost another 20 or so pounds. And, um, you know, I, I, I got down to about 185 pounds and, um, that was in about March of 2021. And, um, I've maintained that weight. I'm, I'm, I'm 185 pounds now. Um, but I am fighting, you know, fighting,
0: fighting trim, as we say, brother.
1: healthier and stronger. And, um, I mean, because when I started this thing because of the medications and, 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 because of, um, you know, some of the impacts of what was going on with the meds, I had no strength at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't do one push up. Um, I couldn't run. I had knee pain. So I had acne. I had you know all kinds of things going on. But um, you know, since I you know completely you know changed my life, I drink a gallon of water a day. I eat you know lean proteins and, and healthy vegetables. Um, and it's you know completely cleared my skin. Um, I, I feel you know most days. I mean, I'm still 56, and I got 56 year old knees because I ran <laughs> track for forever.
0: Ran track, but, brother.
1: Um, but I can still run. Um I can get on that Peloton bike and spin for for, there you know, you go. for hours at a time. Um but I feel amazing. Um and it's all because, you know, I feel that this part of the journey, you know, once April of 2020 hit, you know, I've always been fighting for my life, but now I'm really in the biggest fight of mm. my life. Because again, With all those medications that are that are inside of me that I take every day religiously, I have to do my part, and so I have to create the healthiest temple that I can in order for the medications to be as effective as they are. And my, Mm. you know, whether it's my primary care physician who I saw this morning, you know, my blood pressure was one sixteen over sixty eight. I love it, you know, or my oncologist who every week. Every eight every ninety days that I go, he's like, you know, looking to see what's different about me. Um, because he is still amazed at my health transformation. Um, you know, I'm in a fight of my life. Yeah. And so I have got to do everything that I can to be as healthy as I can. And I don't know, and then and, and this is just one of the situations in, in being a person that has has a disease, a life-threatening disease. I don't know from day to day what's going to happen or what's going to change and what's going to, you know, exacerbate a situation in my body to make things change to where this disease, you know, isn't responding, or the medications you know, aren't working. I've just got to continue to fight on and, 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 and pray that God continues to bless me the way that he has and I continue to get these 0.04 PSAs. But I've got to do my part. And yes. and, and yes. that's my, yes. and, and that's, that's my advocacy as well. Um, mm. with, you know, with health, um, you know, health is the key to life. Um, you know, it's I, I was, I was the good time guy, um, <laughs> you know, hanging out and doing my thing, but I was unhealthy. Yes. And I think that, may have contributed to some of the things that I had going on in my life. And so brother, this, I still have an, an amazing life. Mm-hmm. Um, I just work every day to, to be the healthiest version of me that I can.
0: Yeah, brother, this story is, this story is like revolutionaries. You're going to be, when you hear this story, you, you're you going to be on like the, the front of your seats because Like listening to that, thinking about that. How to how to win the fight of your life. How to win the fight of your life. And we talk about this so much on the show, bruh. Like, you have to revolt and evolve into the person that you want to be. To win the fight of your life, you have to revolt. You have to. You could not have stayed who you were. And be this beacon of health that you are now. You had to say to yourself, the revolution for myself is to be healthier, right? To say... In six months, I'm going to be another version of myself. I have to revolt from this version of myself. And one thing that you have said throughout this whole journey is that your queen was right there with you, right? It is not easy to revolt and evolve on a journey like this. When you're fighting for your life, it sounds like that your queen, because you were right there for her, Mm -hmm. that you have been each other's support, your family, Yes. And, and, and thinking about that. But the choice begins with you. The choice begins with us revolutionaries that- if we're going to fight for our life, we've got to revolt from something to into something else. And I love that because you have chronicled that for us because it could have been easy to say with all the yo-yos, like what's going on? All right, we, we talk about our third card here on the show. You've got to persevere. My father would say that all the time, right? That's right. This journey, th- This journey that you're on will be treacherous. It will be challenging. It will take all of you. But remember you can look back and say that you've gone further than you are right now. He would say that to me all the time, Eddie. You've gone further than you are from when you started. You will have to move on if you want to win. If you're in the fight of your life, you just have to move through it. That's right. And I love I love that you have chronicled for us a story of one day out of the blue you're diagnosed with prostate cancer. You go through this journey and all of a sudden it's still there. It's still there after all this. And it can be easy to give up, but Omega men don't give up, dear brother. We don't. We fight through. We are fighting trim. And then one day, one day through perseverance, all of a sudden the story comes is that we found it. We found why. But you still got to fight every day. And that's who we are. Oftentimes our lives as black men, we fight every day for something our health our relationships our families our job this country right you think about this we fight for something every day brother i uh, i i don't even know what to say like just thank you for sharing that that journey because i can take from this story that there's no giving up hope because I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure, dear brother, at some point, the only thing that you had was hope and faith and love. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and, and you know, and then that that fuels me every day. You know, when when I get down, well, when I have my my dark days and, and self-pity sort of sort of sets in, I start thinking about my family. Yes. You know, I start thinking about my wife, and I start thinking about my son and my daughter and my mother, and my brothers that are here. Um, and you know, I say this is this is so much bigger than me. Yeah. And 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 yeah. and then I start to you know focus outside of me, because I still have to be here for them, you mm-hmm. know. And so, you know, and then I look at it as well. Okay, I'm going through this, but there are people that are going through far far worse situations than I am. Okay. I'm one of millions of people. And so I, again, I'm going to fight my fight, but again, I have to be that father and that husband and that brother and that confidant and that source of strength to, to other individuals that are going through things as well. And I have to keep it moving. And so, you know, being that husband and being that father it gives them joy you know to, to be mm-hmm. to be with me and to be around me as long as they're happy and satisfied i'm fine you know and and, and all i want to do is to be there to celebrate life with them to be yes. there when they have their high their, you know their high points in life um you know when they have their down moments i want to be there to console them. Um, to go through and, and, and share experiences with them and so it makes it all worth it. Um, yeah you know and, and again I, I thank God you know for where I am um, right yes. now because you know there could have been plenty of situations where based on decisions that I made along this way along this 10-year journey, if I had made the wrong decision, In regards to how I handled my treatment or how I handled my health, um, we may not have had this conversation today. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I have lost so many friends along the way that have been diagnosed with this disease and um, have transitioned on. But um, again, I I don't take life for granted. Um, No, I cannot. I take this situation for granted and I do not take
0: my health for granted not me not anymore no and as you said as you said early in the green room like this is not just for you like if this story like if this story can help someone else right as they're making decisions or they're just diagnosed or they have family members who have been diagnosed and if this story right here can change someone or someone's life or can help them along this journey your revolution is fulfilled Right. Your revolution is fulfilled. And so we already know that, right? When people hear this story, this is why I wanted to have you on the show, right? This this is why I wanted to have my dear friend and my dear brother on the show, because there is a story. There's a revolution in this that will not only help that will help thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people who listen to this show, because at some point we know somebody who is afflicted with this disease. And as you see here, this brother, this brother has made choices with his family so we can see, look, we we can see the five heartbeat right here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we can see, we, we can see this right here, brother. You know, you know, this is, this is what we do when, when we, when we have good friends on the show, we, we, we can, we can show our affection, you know, by a, a little joke here and there, but. I want to say that I'm grateful for you. I'm, I'm grateful for our friendship for over 30 years, brother, almost, almost 30 years for, for pulling me, for pulling me out when I needed to be pulled out, you know, to say, Hey, you know what? I think we're, I think we're good here. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I, I think we fig- I think we figured out all that we need to figure out. I think we're good here. Let's go be who we are. Yes, and I appreciate that. And I've always had tremendous respect uh, for you as a person, as a human being, and as a man of Omega, because, you know, as one of our sturdy trees, dear brother, you know, you stand, you stand very, very tall. You stand extremely tall for us, you know, and as we look, as we look up to, at you, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to know that you've been a part of my life and in so many lives that you have touched, dear brother. And this story alone would touch so many. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Like I said, if you go to EJ Rich 2, is that correct? Yep. EJ on Instagram, you see, you can see some of the story. like I said, you can see his thirst trap from last week, where he, you know, what I'm saying he's posting to see to see this journey. He looks good, you know. Shout out to the good brothers of Omega Sapphire, you know who. You know, make the world go around. I just want you to know that, right? You know, and at the recording of this show, next week will be founders, uh, founders week, our founders day, November 17th, right? As we will, as we will come together, (laughs) as we will come together as as we do to revel, to revel in what our founders put together. So shout out that. Thank you to Brother Ricky Lewis, uh, our grand bossless who graces us with his leadership and his presence uh and moving into this space tremendously grateful for his words of wisdom that he gave us on the show so thank you dear brother any last words on your part
1: I, you know I just want to say you know to the listeners I hope that you know I have have at least planted a seed um, you know as it relates to to health and, and fitness um, you know again you know I've got an incredible medical team um, you know I mentioned my oncologist Dr. Mark Fleming um, who's just amazing. Um, and, and, I owe so much to him. You know, I mentioned my, my wife, Donna, who, who's my rock, my, my number one accountability partner. Um, you know, my children, EJ and Pache who, who are there and, and support me. And I mentioned, you know, Jeff Weatherspoon with eager to motivate. Um, the last two years have been life changing, um, for me and for thousands of people, um, that have engaged in this program, um, and on this journey of health and fitness. And, and and all of these things together have created or has helped along with the blessings from God have helped me to become the person that I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I talk a lot to my friends in the fitness community about the other guy. Um, yes. You know, you know, you knew the other guy. I mean, I, I'm the same guy, but when I say the other guy, I mean the other guy physically. Yes. Um. Yes. This is this is the newer, best version of me. Yeah. Um. That. And and I feel amazing. Um. And, and I'll continue to do what I need to do. Um. As, as I as I fight to live.
0: There you go. I can't I can't leave without asking you this question. My dude. My guy. My brother. My frat brother. My friend. What's your revolution?
1: My revolution is to be the best version of me that I can as I'm in the
0: fight of my life. I love it. I thank you for your time, dear brother. And we look forward to being on this journey, on this fight with you. Right. Revolutionaries, as I said, is fourth quarter. And you've heard a story of resilience and perseverance and resistance. That's what I said, revolutionaries. A story of resistance. Things will happen in our lives. We will have challenges, strife. Right? We will have barriers. We will have brick walls. Who are the people that you're going to bring with you as you knock down those brick walls? Who are the hammers right, that are going to help you just destroy them as we go through the challenges of our life? Remember that we always need midwives to help bring our dreams, to help our dreams to come true. We have to revolt and evolve into the people that we want to be to make sure that even though we endure challenges, we can be the best versions of ourselves. We can be revolutionary. I love you. Yeah, I love you. you. I love you. We'll see you next time. Take care. Take, Take care. You good,